And the reason this is so important is because that gives the person who's experiencing burnout power back. Because if it's their beliefs that are contributing to part of their burnout, then they have power and control in changing their beliefs rather than waiting for an organization or something outside of them to change where they have no power. When we come back to, okay, why am I taking this action? What do I believe? And can I change those beliefs? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Ms. Marissa McCool. Marissa is a coach who helps professionals eliminate their burnout without quitting their job. We discuss the health effects of burnout, the power of choice, the importance of your beliefs, and why quitting your job isn't necessarily the answer. Grab your warm drink and let's get to the episode. Hi, Marissa. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you very much for coming. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. So my name is Marissa McCool. I am a former public health leader who's turned a life career coach. In my public health career, I worked in sexual violence prevention, reproductive health, maternal and child health, from government being at CDC to academia at UC Berkeley School of Public Health. Um, have done work from evaluation to research to program planning. So kind of ran the gamut in public health and found myself burnt out, which I'm sure we'll talk about more briefly. And from that experience of eliminating my burnout, I basically decided everyone needs these tools to eliminate their burnout, no matter what field you work in, no matter if you're a stay-at-home parent or student. And so I've since started a life and career coaching business, and I work with folks to help them eliminate their burnout and get more rest. Very interesting. Could you tell us, Marissa, what is burnout? There's not a universal definition of burnout. I will start with that. And I think everyone's experience of burnout, although there are similarities, are slightly different. So I think that's important to acknowledge. The way I like to think about it is... Um, the book Burnout by Amelia and Emily Nagoski, I think they're twins. They have this amazing quote called um, exhaustion is what happens when you get stuck in an emotion. And I love that because I kind of think of burnout that way. So burnout, I think of it's when you get to a point of kind of pure exhaustion, like you're just constantly exhausted. That could be mentally or emotionally or physically And oftentimes part of that is you're kind of stuck in a certain emotional experience. For me, it was resentment. I was just constantly in resentment and frustration. For other folks, it might be shame or blame, but you essentially get to a place where you have a consistent emotional experience that just feels heavy and exhausted and and negative. And it kind of bleeds all over your life from work to personal relationships. And so the way I think about burnout is from that emotional point of view. Did you always know what burnout was? How did you know that you were burnt out? That is such a good question. You know, I find that there are some people who, when they experience burnout, they know they're experiencing it. And then there are some folks who don't know it because they think that's just the way it has to be. Like, that's just how my career is. I'm in a stressful career. So this is just how it's supposed to be. And I think I got to the point where I heard my, who became to become my life coach, talk about the experience where I was like, oh, wait, I don't have to feel this way. It was kind of this moment where it's like, oh, this is, this is optional. Like there's an, a different, there's an alternative. And so I think sometimes that happens when you 
realize that, oh, what you've been experiencing maybe isn't the only way, like there's a way out and something else you can experience. And I think that's very common. And I will say now burnout is much more of a buzzword since the pandemic, no matter what field you work in. So I think folks hear it more and are saying, oh, maybe I'm experiencing that. But I do find like sometimes when you're in it, you're so in it that you kind of like are too exhausted to come out of it to see like, oh, maybe this is optional. Maybe I don't have to feel this way. I love that. Maybe this is optional. I I can see that. I can really picture how people can realize, oh, you mean to say I don't need to do this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's amazing to have that breakthrough. Can you tell us a little bit about what some of the causes of burnout are? If you Google the cause of burnout, this is what I find comes up is either... Typically, it's talked about in the lens of of the workforce. So the cause is the employer, the manager, the leadership, the organization. They cause employees burnout. And while I definitely think employers and organizations have a part to play, like they could either have a structure that promotes burnout and intensifies it or one that prevents burnout, right? Like that absolutely is true. But when you talk about it in the terms of that's the sole cause, then people who are experiencing burnout feel powerless because if it's the sole cause of my organization or my employer, then that means I have to wait for them to change because I can't control them or I have to quit and go to another job and risk the chance that I'm going to have the same experience. And so it feels very powerless. So I do think they play a part, but I don't think that's the whole story. And when we look at information given to individuals about what to do about burnout, it's basically like just say no more or set boundaries, which I think telling someone to do something different doesn't work if we don't step back and look at why are they unable to say no? Why don't they set and hold boundaries? And that's kind of where the coaching comes in and where where I focus is what beliefs are driving the action of not saying no, of always saying yes of not holding boundaries, because there are beliefs that we hold that drive those actions, whether it's I might get fired or they're going to think I'm lazy or whatever it may be. There's some belief that is creating some doubt or insecurity or fear or shame that is preventing us from setting boundaries, from saying no. So one of the examples I like to use a lot is I hear from a lot of folks, well, I can't take lunch because I haven't gotten enough done. Or I need to do more before I can break for lunch. And that belief that I haven't done enough to take lunch, if that belief is not changed, telling someone just to take their lunch is never going to work. And if you plop them in an organization that requires lunch, it still won't work because if they still believe they don't have the time, they're going to figure out how to use that lunch hour to do something else. So we have to look at the beliefs driving the actions and understand why do we even believe these things in the first place? And underneath that, like this example with lunch, is this belief that rest is a reward, that rest has to be earned, that you have to like hustle to get rest. So like most of you listening, as I say that, you might be like, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe rest has to be earned or deserved. But it shows up in these nuanced ways of saying, well, I can't take lunch because I haven't got enough done. Or I'll take vacation once that big project is over. Like we internalize these beliefs and change the verbiage of them in our heads to drive kind of preventing us from taking rest and being able to get some reprieve from what we're feeling. So we have to really look at those and challenge those underlying beliefs. Those are some also that productivity measures worth and that productivity feels good 
And that if you do take rest, then you can be more productive. So that's like the reason to take rest. Like all of those underlying beliefs that we hold individually impact our burnout, our rest. And, and the reason this is so important is because that gives the person who's experiencing burnout power back. Because if it's their beliefs that are contributing to part of their burnout, then they have power and control in changing their beliefs rather than waiting for an organization or something outside of them to change where they have no power. When you come back to, okay, why am I taking this action? What do I believe? And can I change those beliefs? The answer is yes. And that is the most empowering thing about mindset coaching to address burnout is because you get your control back where you have felt totally out of control for so long. I love those examples. What are the consequences of not addressing our burnout? Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, can I, can I zoom like roll back for a little bit and go further out before I answer that question. Because I think in order to look at the consequences, we have to even go further back and to understand why we have these beliefs in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because burnout is not an accident. I don't think. Burnout is by design. And when I say that, what I mean is the beliefs of rest is a reward, rest has to be earned, productivity measures value. Those beliefs aren't accidents. Those beliefs are the outcomes of socialization. So maybe it's the media, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's, you know, family, maybe it's culture, but also, which is so, so important, those beliefs are outcomes of systems of oppression. And so that's what I mean when I say burnout is not an accident. Systems of oppression from patriarchy to white supremacy, toxic capitalism, toxic Christianity, put out these messages so that certain people hustle and burn out and other people don't. Because when you're exhausted, you do not have the energy to change your life, let alone anyone else's life, let alone society. So when we think like just as one example of, you know, where I am right now in what's now called the United States, when this land was first colonized and slavery was happening, that was all built on this idea that some people have to earn rest and don't deserve it. And other people deserve it immensely. Some people have to produce to show their value and other people don't. And that's replicated in the patriarchy and toxic capitalism, even in toxic Christianity. Like I'm a Christian, but I think it's so important to critically examine how people have used the beliefs of Christianity to promote the idea that, for example, you know, laziness is a problem. Like idle hands are the devil's work, for example. Mm -hmm. And we internalize that to be like, I always have to be doing something. I need to get all my chores done. Like, and we don't know that underneath that is this belief that we're internalizing that to mean that it measures our value as a human. So all of these beliefs are not an accident, but that doesn't mean they're true. So part of the work is undoing those beliefs and the internalization of them and deciding on purpose to believe something different. And I wanted to point this out. This is all very fascinating. And it sounds like a lot of work because many of us are conditioned to think this way from birth. I was wondering when you, you know, work with somebody to try to address their burnout, how long on average, if there is an average, does it take to drill through what people have felt for 25, 30 years, depending on how old they are when they start working with you? Yeah, that's such a good question. Well, I work with folks for six months and I will tell you, it varies person to person how strongly attached they are to these beliefs. So I have some folks with, and this was actually my experience, who after three months really were able to get enough traction and then want to work on something else. And for some folks, it's six months or longer. It just depends on 
And you can't predict it, how strongly you believe this or how long it takes to undo. But the good news is it doesn't take the equal measure that it's taken to learn these things. And part of the reason is because what's been happening is we've been believing these things unconsciously. And when you bring them to consciousness to address them, you have so much more power to undo them so much faster than it took to kind of internalize them because you're more conscious about it. So I will tell you, it's way faster than waiting for your employer to change or going job to job to job, trying to find the best job. And part of the reason it is faster is because it's not just like you come to a coach and they do the work. It's like you learn how to do the work on your own. That's true liberation. You learn how to examine your beliefs, how to question them, how to change them. And that's a tool you take through the rest of your life. So yeah, we will always encounter these like unhelpful messages directly and indirectly, right? Because of the world we live in. But if you have the tool to recognize it and work to undo it, then you're light years ahead. It's pretty amazing. Now we've been thinking, okay, great. Someone undoes this. Yeah. And you go from being maybe a yes person at work to setting up your boundaries. How does that work in the sense of, well, Marissa always used to be a yes person. We can mm. count on her for every project. And now we're asking her for stuff and, and she's saying no, or I need two weeks. And, you know, like how... How do they process that? Oh, she's changed. Yeah. yeah. And that's the work of those folks, right? Like, I think we also get caught up in being so worried about what other people think. And that's also an outcome of messaging. Like if you identify as a woman or socialize as a woman, we are told you cause other people's feelings. Like your job is to make sure everyone around you is happy. And part of this work is like, no, I can let other people have their thoughts and feelings. I can't change them and it's not my job. And I'm just going to focus on me. And what you have to do is be okay with the discomfort of however other people react. And that's a skill, right? Because we have been taught that we have to make everyone else happy. Mm -hmm. So when you start living for you and other people feel a certain way or think a certain way about that, you have to just let them, let them think and feel that. And come back to yourself and process your own discomfort or whatever is coming up when someone else feels or thinks a certain way, which is an amazing, liberating gift in of itself, because then you start making decisions for you rather than for managing other people's emotions or to try to keep people happy or, you know, that is just so decentering of yourself and how you want to live your life. Very good point. Now, with yeah. that context in mind, what are the consequences of burnout? Yeah. So there are so many layers of consequences. So, you know, I think an obvious one we talk about more normally is, um, or more often, I should say, is in the workplace. Like when we think about employee turnover or, you know, the economic cost. So I actually looked up a figure this morning. I think in 2015, it was estimated that 125 to 190 billion dollars in healthcare costs were attributed okay. to burnout. So there, there are big consequences for us as a society, for sure. And, and one I don't think we talk about is the consequence to creative thinking and innovation. When you are exhausted, you cannot problem solve individually in your own life, in your organization, or as a society as well. You aren't as innovative. You don't have as much free thinking. So that is. That is a major consequence I don't think we talk about. But on the individual level, where I kind of focus more, you know, mental health, of course, like experiencing increased anxiety or stress, but physical health too. I mean, from not getting as good of sleep because your mind is running all day 
and all night about what you have to do to like digestion, for example, more and more gut health research is showing how much stress impacts the gut and IBS or anything else. If you have a chronic health condition, like I had psoriasis, eczema, other health conditions, those are exacerbated by stress and new health conditions can be brought on because of stress. And then I think relationship, we don't talk about that enough and how that affects your relationship with family, friends, partners, whether that's because you don't have the energy to engage and show up and you kind of withdraw or you end up because you don't have an outlet and, and don't have the tools taking out some of your emotional stress on them. And it shows up in kind of creating more stress in those contexts. But I think the most important one is the impact it has on your relationship with yourself, which we for sure don't talk about because we always are telling everyone and our own selves to deprioritize yourself. But like the impact and consequence on your relationship with yourself, there are so many things from you just feel disconnected and disempowered. A lot of folks feel like they lose hope and they stop dreaming about what's possible for them. And just like the amount of trust and integrity that we don't see that gets lost in our relationship with ourselves, and putting ourselves first and checking in with what do we want? How do we want to feel? How do I create that? That is totally lost, which, you know, to me is part of the reason I'm so passionate because that makes me so sad to think about. And I was there, how much this impacts our relationship with ourselves, which is the person we spend the most time with, which is the most important relationship, right? Which should be prioritized and centered and put first but unfortunately, it ends up being put last. That one is really, really important. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact that burnout has on health? I heard you mm. mention mental health, but are there other impacts on health? Let's make that connection for folks for whom it might not be obvious. I would be surprised if there's not a health issue that wouldn't be impacted by high stress personally. And I think it's important to know that a lot of the research that looks at health conditions, you know, measuring burnout is tricky and measuring, you can measure stress to a certain extent, you know, with different hormone levels and whatnot. But I think that the expansive research on the impact of burnout on health has been more economical and less about the, like what happens physiologically. But I like to explain it this way. First, stress is normal. Stress is a normal experience of, of being a human and having a human brain. And stress has helped in, as, you know, in certain settings with acute stress. But the problem with burnout is you get stuck in that stress cycle. So you have chronic stress. And we know that chronic stress can affect so many things, not just mental health, but all types of physical health from, you know, even diabetes to dermatological um, diagnoses to digestion, to sleep. I mean, when I think about the effects of burnout on health, I think it's whole body health. And what I will say some of your listeners might have had this experience is what can be so frustrating is the healthcare system and providers, not necessarily to a fault of their own, do not address this in a helpful way. So I've had the experience where I go and they say, oh, it's not stress, it's something else. And they discount the impact of stress. Or they say, oh, it is stress. Like my psoriasis, I got that a lot. So just reduce your stress. It's like, well, how? Right. And I'm, I don't know if it, you know, I don't really have an opinion on if that is the role of, of healthcare providers and what their role should be and how much, like, I don't know. I'm not here to argue that, but for folks who are navigating like their own health issues, what I would say is get curious about how could stress be playing a part? 
whether or not your physician or provider prompts that or agrees, I think it's interesting to explore, like, am I really stressed? Am I in burnout? And if so, how could that be affecting my health? It could be that I don't have the energy to take my meds consistently. It could be, I don't have the energy to advocate for a test that I know I need. It could be, I don't have the energy to find out what this new ex- like health experience I'm having, right? Like, I think that's the biggest way it impacts our health is we don't have the energy to like do something about the health challenges we're experiencing or advocate for it. In addition to the fact that stress can contribute to experiencing those in the first place. How do we get back that energy? (laughs) Yeah, I think because the actions we take or don't take are driven by what we're believing, like how we're feeling and thinking, you have to start there. A lot of us, because we haven't been told otherwise, just think that the thoughts we have are just truths. They're just facts. We don't question them. And I would start with question, becoming more conscious of what you're thinking and question them in a curiosity way, not in a shame or blame way, but be curious about why do I believe this? Is it possible this is not true? And really challenge your beliefs. It doesn't mean they're going to change overnight, but you have to start there to become aware and conscious of what you're thinking. And then also, it's so important to recognize what you're feeling. So a lot of times we think feelings just happen to us and there's nothing we can do about them. And we're just like resisting and fighting through them. But feelings, emotions are your body is reacting to what you're thinking. So the most like common, easy example is if you're about to get on stage to give a public speech and you're thinking, I'm going to fail, I'm going to mess up, you feel nervous. Your brain says those things, your body reacts by, you know, creating butterflies in your stomach or your hands sweat. And this is part of the stress cycle. When we, let's say, I think a kind of maybe an obvious example is like, if you see a lion and your brain starts thinking, I might die, your body gets kicks into gear and has an emotional and physiological response to that. Same thing happens for other emotions from resentment to uh, shame to blame. So checking in with what am I feeling? Okay. Cause my body is providing these physical sensations, this emotion in reaction to what I'm thinking. How can I be with my body? How can I allow this emotion? What is this emotion telling me? Is it telling me I'm scared to say no? Why am I scared? Oh, because I'm worried that they're going to think I'm not a team player. Well, is that true? And if they do think that, what's the problem? Like really checking in and interrogating what am I believing and what am I feeling in these times where I'm not able to set boundaries or say no and start there? Very nice. Well, how can someone with burnout advocate for themselves? Do you have any examples of, you know, when you've done it or someone else, you know, and how it turned out? Yeah. I mean, I do think it comes back to changing what you think and feel because in order to advocate for yourself, I mean, I shouldn't say this. You can advocate from yourself for yourself from feeling in resentment. But how are you going to show up when you're advocating for yourself in resentment, not just to other people, but for yourself versus advocating from confidence? How are you going to show up? So I do think we have to step back before the action piece of advocating, whether it's to your physician or your employer or your insurance company, to what feeling would drive this advocacy? And what am I not feeling now? Like if I'm feeling exhausted, if I'm feeling hopeless, I'm never going to advocate from that place because what's the point? And how do I shift that feeling from hopelessness to maybe you can't get to confidence, but maybe it's like, maybe it's curiosity. Maybe it's neutral. Maybe you can get to confident. 
Maybe it's some other emotion that can drive you to take that action. And I think when we think about advocacy, what gets in the way more often than not are beliefs we have about if it's worth it, which really comes down to are we worth it? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we're not advocating for ourselves, it's because part of us doesn't believe either we're worth it or we don't matter or it's never going to happen. Like there's some belief there that we give up on ourselves. We don't have our own back. And that's the like break in the relationship with ourselves. So I would say if you want to advocate for yourself, really come back to like, what do you need to feel in order to show up for yourself in the way you'd show up for your best friend? If they're like, Hey, I really need your help. You probably want to show up in resentment or if you did, it wouldn't go that well. I love that. That's a fantastic example. What do you know about burnout today that you wish you knew before? I wish I knew that you could eliminate burnout individually on your own because I, and I I see this all the time. It's promoted that if you're burnt out, you just have to change your circumstance. So maybe you quit your job. Maybe you leave your partner. Maybe you, you know, move towns. And the reason I don't find that advice helpful, I'm not saying it doesn't help to some degree, but you bring your brain with you wherever you go. So if you believe rest has to be earned or you have to get a certain amount done before you can like prove your worth, you're going to believe that in the next city and the next job with the next partner. And so the example I use that I think is the most helpful is unlimited paid time off. So there's been this argument that if staff just get more paid time off, they'll get more rest and won't be as stressed. But what we have seen, companies that now offer limited paid time off, their employees take two less vacation days than employees at a traditional paid time off where they have to accrue it and they get only two weeks. And why is that? They have access to unlimited. The, the circumstances change. The policy has changed. It's because their belief that rest has to be earned, that you have to deserve rest still exists. So even though they have access to that, if they believe they have to earn it, they have to deserve it, they're still going to have that hustle mentality and not take those days off. Or have some belief that if they do, even if it's available, that other people will think they're lazy or taking advantage or not a team player or burdening others. So it's really, as I totally think systems need to change and environments need to change, but if we don't change ourselves and our beliefs and we're bringing our same brains there, it's not going to be as effective. Fantastic point. What myths and misconceptions do you think need to be dispelled about burnout? I mean, I think the biggest one is what I just said, which is like the way to eliminate burnout is to just change your environment. And I don't want to discount that to some extent that can help. So if you're experiencing chronic stress and you live in an environment that promotes more stress, maybe there's, you know, a a dynamic in the home that is argumentative. Maybe there's a lot of pollution. Maybe there's not access to public transportation. Like there's different factors that are contributing to your exhaustion. Like you have to commute farther. You have to navigate X, Y, and Z. If you change that, you're going to get some relief, right? Like that's, I don't want to say that's not helpful, but only to a certain extent because you bring your brain with you. So I do think the myth that if you change both individually, your external environment, but if as a society, all of a sudden we pass all these amazing laws that we've been advocating for, everything will be fine. We're missing that piece about socialization and how we've been conditioned and what our brains think and undoing that. 
And that's on the you know individual level and that's on the community society level too. And we've seen that, you know, my field in public health, where there's been interventions, where they provide certain supports or changes in communities, but they have not done the work to help the community believe something different, believe that they deserve it, or they can take advantage of it, or that they're smart enough or capable enough. Like they have to go hand in hand to see like those structural changes have the impact we want them to have. On the flip side, if you do the work individually, you don't need those structural changes to change to feel better. And you can choose like where I am. I know I will never experience burnout. I know that for a fact, because if I decide to apply for a job and I go to the job and two months in, I realize, oh, they really want everyone to work 70 hours a week and they really don't support this. I'm going to quit. And I'm not worried what they think. I'm not worried about my resume. I'm not worried what future employees will think because I've done the work to undo my beliefs and focus on what I want to believe and what's best for me. So I'm able to navigate some of those structural challenges a little bit easier. Does it eliminate 100%? No. But the best, most liberating tool is having the ability to decide what you think and feel and what you're going to do in the face of any challenge from a barrier to support to discrimination. What if someone listens to this and says, oh, but you know, Marissa, that's you. You're lucky. You have that Mm -hmm. luxury. I need this job because... I don't know, I've got to feed my kids or whatever. I don't have a choice. What, how do you respond to people who feel like they don't have a choice? They've got to stay in this uncomfortable situation. Totally. I think that's that comes up quite a lot. I would first say you can hold space for understanding people have access to different things, but also challenge the belief that someone doesn't have any choice. Because that belief of itself, we've kind of internalized that, that belief that we don't have a choice. And that's super disempowering. And what happens when we believe that is we filter in only mental evidence that supports that and filter out opportunities where we do have a choice. And maybe it's a small choice or maybe it's the choice we don't want to have at first. But to say you have no choice is is so disempowering to yourself. This is also why I think the advice of just quitting your job isn't helpful, because if someone, let's say, is the primary I don't know, better term than winner right now in my head, but and they're their health insurance provides insurance for the family and they have a partner or a kid who's getting treatment, of course, they might not want to change jobs and interrupt that health insurance. And I think that is absolutely fair. I think we still have to be honest that it's still a choice. I could choose to leave. I'm choosing not to. That's so much more empowering than saying I don't have a choice. And then from there, okay, if you're staying in this job, if you're choosing to for these reasons, what are the beliefs you have in the job that are contributing to your burnout that we can change so that while you stay in this job for the time period you're choosing to, it can be a little bit easier for you and you can feel a little bit better and you're not constantly like feeling like you, there's nothing you can do. I absolutely love that. How did you transition or what spurred your transition from working as in public health as a public health professional to coming out and starting a coaching business? Yeah. So I experienced my burnout probably about in 2017, 2018. And this was the fascinating thing to me is like, I was never valedictorian, straight A student, but I always felt like I'm a hard worker, like, you know, I'm capable. And so when I experienced my burnout, I was kind of like, if I can't figure this out, how to get out of this, like I'm just stuck. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. And so when I started getting coaching and seeing 
actually it is in my control. I can change what I believe and how I feel. And from there, my actions will change. And, you know, you do evolve and transform as a person when you do that. What was so fascinating is when the pandemic hit two, three years later, me and my colleagues had very similar circumstances, right? Working in public health at the beginning of a worldwide pandemic, and they were so much more stressed than I was. And the thing that I could see was the difference is I had these tools. I had the self-coaching tools to manage my mind, look at my thoughts, change what I believe to be more empowering. We were facing similar or the same challenges, but I had a different mindset, not because I was better or a special snowflake, but because I just had the opportunity to learn the tools and practice the tools. So that really changed my perspective to be like, wow, everyone really needs these tools. Like it really opened it up that, hey, it wasn't just me that was burnt out that needed the tools. It's like everyone, stay-at-home parents, students, like we live in a culture that's kind of dripping in this hustle mentality and that rest you know, has to be earned. And I started seeing it everywhere and, you know, just decided, I think it's time for me to start sharing these tools and helping folks in this way and change my career. And so, yeah, that was a big pivot. That's pretty awesome and exciting. As we wind down, do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. I mean, what I'll say is when I first heard this message about this concept and like understanding, I was super resistant to it. And so if there are some listeners who are super resistant to it, that's okay. I had to wrestle with a lot of these concepts like for months. I would listen to my coach's podcast and come home and tell my roommate, like, can you believe what she is saying that like, it's not a hundred percent my job's fault or my boss's fault. And I was upset and I really wrestled with it and challenged it. And I think that served me really well. So I would say if you're feeling resistant or even like, annoyed at some of the things I've said, that's okay. I would encourage you to look at it 360 and know you still get to decide what you believe. You can look at it 360 and decide, I don't believe this. That's totally fine. But if you're in that place, I would encourage you to just drop into curiosity and just question it and give yourself the space to do that. So you can decide on purpose with intention for you, not for me or anyone else. And you have that full freedom of choice. Wonderful. How can people find you, Marissa? Yeah. So I have a podcast. We're rebranding. Mm -hmm. So on April 11th, 2022, it will be called the Redefining Rest Podcast for public health professionals. But if you don't work in public health, you are welcome to be a part of our community and listen. It's really a podcast that helps give like insights, like what we've talked about today and actual tools and activities you can use to get more rest, to change your mindset, to eliminate your stress. So that's a weekly podcast I share. They're about 15 to 30 minute episodes. I also have a free course that anyone can take called the Burnout Recovery Course. And folks can come find me on, on Instagram, the Public Health Coach or LinkedIn, also the Public Health Coach. I can share those those links or my website, McCool Coaching. And anyone, whether in public health or not, you're welcome to my free content and the podcast. And you know what matters to me is that anyone who's struggling with burnout or stress get access to live a more restful life, like live a life more centered on rest and what rest means for you, because it's unique and an individual to you. It's not like this sold idea that it's only these finite things like the spa or a vacation. Like let's redefine rest so that you decide what's restful for you. And you get to decide when you take it and why you take it and all of that. 
for you. Well, thank you, Mystic, for coming to the Good Health Cafe. This was really fantastic. It was lovely having you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Some key takeaways included burnout isn't inevitable. There is an alternative. Changing your environment will not work if you don't change your beliefs. And rest is not a reward that needs to be earned. Before you go, do any of the following sound like you or someone you know? Have you ever left a doctor's office and felt like you didn't get the answers you needed? Felt like your care provider wasn't listening? Have you ever been frustrated and exhausted by undiagnosed symptoms? Does the very process of seeking healthcare intimidate you? Have you been wanting a way to join in on our conversations at the Good Health Cafe? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then the Good Health Cafe Lounge may be the place for you. To learn more, please click the link in the bio and I will reach out to you with more information. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye.